I, and I, I make jokes about it, but like I married someone who's 12 years older than me. So I've always been comfortable in the fact that he would die before me. Men typically die before women in relationships anyway. And he's 12 years older than me and he's got asthma, you know, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the sick one. So I always knew he would die before me. And now that may not be true. So the way that I plan for our future has to change a little bit. And like, I joke about it and I'm always like, oh man, thought you were going to go first. Now it's a race to the finish. He does not think that's funny. I think it's kind of funny, but he does not at all. That's like, so weird. I actually just said something like that to my husband this morning. You did? <laughs> Literally. I bet he did not think it was funny. Like he's not, I'm actually six months older than my husband. But I... Ooh, you cradle robber. No. I'm so crazy. <laughs> um, Cougar town. <laughs> Cougar town. <laughs> Six months. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so we have a huge age gap. Mm-hmm. Cancer is Boring with Jocelyn, the celebrity, Jocelyn, the celebrity, <laughs> and Lauren. Um, we're both um, breast cancer patients, and mm-hmm. today we're going to be talking about, oh, why, why, the why, why factor, the why factor, why we're town. Gonna, we're going to take a journey to why town, yeah. and since we came all this way, we're going to stop in the capital, <laughs> which is... For me, the capital city of Y-Town is rage. Um, a little bit of self-pity. Like, we'll take self-pity avenue all the way to the rage capital and then maybe circle back into some kind of lesser known but more scientifically based roads sure. to, to get us out. Of and this. then in the end, zero answers. Yeah, sorry. We will be returning exactly where we came from. Right. Because at this point in time, we don't know. No. We don't know. No. So Even with the millions of dollars that's being spent towards breast cancer research. Oh, millions and millions. The internet is just chock full of reasons why you got cancer. And we will get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But on Amazon Prime... There is this documentary that Ken Burns did, and it's actually a book, and it's called The Emperor of All Maladies. Whoa. And it, yeah, and it's about cancer. It's a very hearty book. It's from an actual oncologist physician who's done his homework, done his research, and taken the time um, to put together something that's a very comprehensive history from the very beginning of us understanding that cancer is a thing, which goes all the way back to ancient Egypt all the way to present day, what are we doing now? And we'll talk about that more, but Ken Burns did a documentary, so I'm absolved of the burden of having to read this huge long book because it was in my Kindle to read, and then I saw that Ken Burns had the documentary. Um, Trigger warning, I guess, for some people. I am a very logical person. I'm a medical person. I was an oncology nurse, so... I know a bit, just a bit, I would say, about cancer and chemo and all that. I had to start this documentary three times. Wow. The first two times I couldn't get like more than five minutes through. So, and I think I blame the fact that he, because it's Ken Burns, it's very thorough and it starts out and they start... Like it, it kind of starts and they start with an individual. And of course, it's a child. So we're starting with child cancer, just so you know. And then he kind of pulls it out and we go broader. And he has these sweeping like kind of uh, shots of just people, like crowded streets, like probably in New York or something. Yeah. And then he just starts spitting out all these statistics 
like one in three people will get cancer in their lifetime. One in eight women will get breast cancer, like all. And the statistics keep mounting so Mm -hmm. that the numbers get larger and larger and larger and larger. And for some reason, it like made me feel like so hopeless. And I had, I just started like crying to the point where like I had to turn it off. And then I tried again a couple days later still there and then finally I like hyped myself up enough and um have been able to watch it it's like in three segments but when you're actually looking for real information Mm -hmm. about cancer go to something like that wow go to something that's actually thorough and scientific the reason I bring it up is because you talk about millions and millions of dollars the American Cancer Society, which was started and really funded by this, I forget her name because I didn't, you know, write the documentary, but she basically, she did a lot for social services, but she did a lot for the American Cancer Society, which was founded by this woman with very large hair, I think from Dallas. Definitely from very Dallas. Very large hair. So this is the 60s, right? They were raising millions of dollars and getting millions of dollars from the government in the 60s. Wow. So I can only imagine how much money is being funneled into cancer research today. I actually do not know the numbers because I'm not a researcher. Wow. And I didn't really take the time to do that. But there are people out there who have taken the time mm-hmm. and know the difference between those people and the people who are on Pinterest, putting up posts like nine reasons you got cancer, how to cure your cancer, or even physicians who put out books and publish books. I mean, the neon colors should have given it away, I guess, but you just got to know your sources. Absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. But Emperor of All Maladies, Amazon Prime, awesome. Ken Burns. Uh, it's. I think it's going to be worth it. I've only watched the first episode. There are three, um, and it is... It's intense. Wow. It's really, really intense. I will be watching that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I also think that intrinsically all of us believe that we know the reason we got cancer. Mm-hmm. And it is largely not based in science, even for me. For me, I immediately decided that it was my job was the problem. Oh. That I was so stressed at my job that it gave me cancer. Wow. Hmm. Very um, unscientific. Although I do believe stress puts our bodies in a situation where they're more prone to disease. We we know that. We know stress does a lot of weird things to the body. It creates cortisol, which causes you to store fat. It increases your blood sugar. It increases your heart rate. It increases your blood pressure. It it does have actual physiological impact. However, I don't think stress alone. Um, was mutating my cells right and causing them to divide at a rapid rate exactly you know what's interesting about what you said is that I actually ran into someone the other day who said I heard all of us have cancer or that it's just a matter of time or a matter of whether it's going to activate or not and um, my Hmm. thought process was very unscientific, of course, because I have no greater knowledge in this. But I did think that it's possible that all of us have cells who that could mutate into cancer. That is a possibility. But I don't believe that all of us have cancer in us that just hasn't activated yet. I mean, we all have cells and cells can mutate at any time so in that way sure fine that person can feel like they're right but I don't I mean where does that take us right like right. how is that helpful no, I guess nowhere nowhere it, it takes us nowhere Mm-mm. and I think I've said before that I don't quite identify with the what is the kind of the nomenclature around breast cancer um the C's and G Komen the American Cancer Society, all doing great work, but the nomenclature is survivor, thriver, fighter, those kinds of things. Um, And I don't see cancer as a foreign entity in my body. Mm -hmm. I just, I felt this way, this is a weird comparison, but I always feel this way when I would get like a huge zit on my face. Like I'm not fighting the zit. Mm -hmm. It is 
part of me and it did this for a reason. And what I need to do is be very kind to my skin and just give it time. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's my, it's my skin experiencing this as much as it is me. It's not my skin like rebelling against me and like causing me all of this anxiety, which is a lot of like the advertising around it is like that. And it feels that similar to me as cancer, although I, you know, on a much different scale, but I really, I'm not, it's part of me and it did this thing. And I feel again, almost like my body's like, oh my God, I'm sorry I did that. Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't, ah, I just, I don't know what happened. I just started mutating and then I kept mutating and I just, I guess I went, got carried away. <laughs> so, you know, like I just, I don't have a, I don't have that approach where it's like fight your own body kind of thing. Right. So, which that sounds kind of spacey, right? I got you. I feel like the only fight I had was just trying to continue living through chemo. I would Mm -hmm. have to say Mm -hmm. that I didn't necessarily feel like I was fighting the cancer. I felt like I was more of fighting the effects of killing cancer. That was really the struggle. Um, I totally agree with you though. When people were like, Oh, you're such a fighter. I was like, well, okay. But in, and then when I thought it my terms, um, yes, I was certainly fighting and striving and struggling, <laughs> but that was just, you know, to try and to continue to maintain. Mm. But, um, you know, to circle back around with, um, the piece that we're really, you know, talking about today with, with like pity and wondering why, um, that seems to never disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if it ever will just because they're just, um, I don't necessarily feel that I just got, I got angry, but for me, I think it was more of you know, I wanted to figure out what did I do wrong and how can I fix it? Which that sounds like blame. I'm a fixer, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix it. I can fix that. And this was something that I like couldn't fix. And then I also couldn't figure out how it broke. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was, that was really rough. I certainly couldn't, you know, with children, it certainly couldn't be, overly angry in front of them so I I just wanted to fix it <laughs> as fast as possible mm-hmm. I think you do get in that mode like mm-hmm. fix it so I, I understand where the fighter mentality came from because certainly it is it does feel like a fight it does mm-hmm. feel like you have to fight through it I, I identify more with fighting like to, to get through something mm-hmm. to get through treatment than fighting the cancer Mm -hmm. itself which that might be they might be the same thing Mm -hmm. it might just be semantics that's the word I'm looking for so but I don't know like those shirts that say fuck cancer right I don't quite identify that with that but if I found one that said fuck chemo Mm -hmm. I would be like okay yeah I'm more into that because I sincerely believe that 30 40 50 years from now we are going to look back on the chemo that we give now and right. the radiation and even the type of surgeries that we do and go, Oh man, those were dark times. Right. Which if you watch the emperor of all maladies, Oh my God. Like we, I, I was familiar with the concept of a radical mastectomy, but mm-hmm. I had no idea what that used to look like. Ooh. And it was insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. But so for me, I know why I'm still like have ha- throwing myself pity parties on a regular basis, but I want to know like how that's going to look down the road. Cause you are technically, you're technically done with treatment. You've had reconstruction, you've had your port out. Mm-hmm. Where is my pity party going to focus on when I'm there? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> and I'd have to say that it's just more of like, I think that a hard part about it too is that like all those people that were really super supportive going through everything, mm-hmm. they've, they've sort of 
you know, sort of like when you hit a pond, the, a still pond for the first time and all the waves are like super ripply mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're just like, and now all of a sudden the pond is still again and you kind of like, oh, well, where are all of those ripples? Where is, where, you know, where is that? And yes, you still have people that are good to you, but it's, it certainly isn't what it was. So your community becomes smaller and smaller because now they visually on the exterior, you kind of look better and people every once in a while will be like, Oh, how are you doing? But do they mean it? Eh, Probably not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not that it's really an attention getting. It's just the fact that once you get to this point, you look like you are, quote unquote cured so you no longer have any of those things which now on the inside you realize oh my gosh I'm it that journey I'm still on it inside my head the roller coaster is still going it hasn't stopped I haven't got off the roller coaster yet um it's just a constant you know now you live in like oh do I need a scan for this or you know, I have this pain in my chest. So I told my doctor and then he didn't say anything. And, and, you know, I'm, but I'm like, oh, maybe I'm, there's that woman thing again. Maybe I'm overreacting and maybe I shouldn't Mm. say anything. And, or, you know, I'll mention it, but you know, when they say, oh, well, you could have another scan. Well, do you recommend one or are you saying I need to ask for one? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, are you trying to pacify me? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's, that's really where most of my like (laughs) anger and, you know, I'm just, I become furious with that. I'm at this phase that, uh, yes, I finished treatment and I'm at the end of my surgeries and everything, but it doesn't stop me from being scared and it doesn't stop me from, feeling like I, I need to, I need to check. I need to know. Uh, it's horrible. No, it's terrifying. And it's quite patronizing when you mm -hmm, go to people and, and I relate to this so much where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. I'm three infusions away Mm -hmm. from being able to get all my cells back and have reconstruction and get this damn port out, Mm -hmm. which I'm grateful to have had, I'm grateful for the technology, but I want it out of my chest. I want this tissue expander out of my chest. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable and it is a visual reminder to me Mm -hmm. on days when I feel okay Mm -hmm. that, oh no, no, you're still, you're still in treatment for cancer. Remember Mm -hmm. that? Remember cancer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where the pity comes to me right now is, and I feel like it's exactly that. It's the ripples in the pond. The pond is completely still. People have moved on great and it's still very much present for me I have to go in every Friday and get blood work done because I haven't been able to get the CAD silo that I'm on for the last Mm -hmm. three weeks because either my platelets are too low (sighs) my white blood cells are too low or this last time and this was a surprise my bilirubin's too high what and there's like nothing you can do to lower your bilirubin there's really nothing you can do about most of it um and it's so frustrating because First, going in every three weeks is one thing. Mm -hmm. Going in every week is just, it's just a weekly reminder. And as much as I appreciate the people there Mm -hmm. and as much as they're invested in my treatment, Mm -hmm. it's still, it's just so disruptive to the time in between where I can kind of recover and feel more normal. It's just, it's just more, a more frequent reminder. And I feel like as soon as your hair grows back, people just sigh they just have this sigh of relief and I don't feel relieved and they have no idea that my, my ANC is one. My hemoglobin, my hemoglobin is 10. It's like my WBCs are two. I have no immune system. I have virtually no immune system. I am so goddamn tired all the time. You know what I imagine this is like? I imagine this is like what it is like to have young children. (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> so like I've never had kids right mm-hmm. but I I've worked night shifts before and mm-hmm. I've done that thing where you work your last night shift of three in a row the 12-hour shifts and so 
when you're trying to flip back to days, yes, what we would always do is we would you would stay up like when you got home, try and stay up as long as you can, and then maybe take a nap, but not too much because that's how you flip, and it feels like it's like a, this low grade exhaustion, but you know you have to stay up, so you like psych yourself up. It just feels like that all the damn time. Yes, and sometimes I notice it more than other times, and mm-hmm. it's when I want to get things done like today you because at night you're, you're going to sleep and like you're planning all the things or maybe it's early in the morning for some people you're planning all the things that you're going to do that day on your day off because you haven't been able to do them during the work week because you get home from work and you have like the three or four things you want to do and you're so exhausted you can't do them so today I was like okay it's going to be great I'm going to go to yoga I'm going to come home I'm going to wash my hair I'm going to exfoliate I'm going to shave I'm going to do self-tanner I'm going to do laundry I'm going to sweep the floors I'm going to vacuum the floors I'm going to dust everywhere I'm going to watch these three shows that I need to catch up on like you have this whole like and you're excited about I'm all so of it. jealous of your list by the way <laughs> yeah exactly because there's no children in the list oh my gosh <laughs> doesn't it sound like great stuff oh I'm gonna do a facial Sunday facials what? big thing for me I'm gonna do a face mask and like this this and that and there are our Sundays I used to be able to do this my Sundays were this and it made me feel so good for the week it made me like feel all set up. You know what I did today? So far today, I slept in until 11. Nice. Because I woke up. No, I've been waking up no less than five times in the middle of the night. Hot as hell. Mm. Just sweating it. Yeah. So covers get thrown off. Then yep. you have to get cold. Like if you wait, if you wait until you're a comfortable temperature to put the covers back on, you're just going to flash again. Yep. So you wait until you are cold, like almost bone chill and cold. And then right. you can put the covers on. But at that point you got to pee because you're cold. Right. And so, and you've drank ice water to try and cool yourself down. Yeah. So that cycle, like four to five times a night, every night. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to see how long I can sleep this morning. I'm not going to wake myself up with an alarm. So 11 o'clock. I can't tell you the last time I slept till 11. And then I got up. I managed to make myself a coffee and breakfast. I watched some shows. I did a load of laundry. And that's really as far as we've gotten today. That's amazing. Totally as far as we've gotten. And the thing is, I find a lot of self-worth in how much work I can do. Right. And then how much work I can do for myself mm-hmm. and it's just not it's just not happening like it used to but I look fine and so it just it's a real yeah it's a real mind game oh my gosh yeah. um I think that that's that's that hits it right on the head and I really do think that in every way that this journey is is going to be a really long, long one. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because um, I really do feel like the only people that can really understand where you're at are those who have been through it. And I know that I was at a certain point when you and I first met mm-hmm. and it was so weird because I remember some of the things you had told me and you were talking about and the way you'd felt. And I remember expressing to you some of the things where I was at and being like oh yeah I remember that and and then when you get here you're gonna feel this way and you're like oh Mm -hmm. man and then you would Mm -hmm. get there and be like oh no you told me it was gonna be I remember those conversations I started a google doc that that was titled conversations with Lauren and after those first few times when we met I would come home and I would write down all the things you had told me Mm -hmm. because I was like I trust her like I I know this is gonna happen and no one else was telling me that and I felt so bad having to tell you all of these (laughs) terrible I did I would leave talk after talking to you and I was like oh my gosh I feel awful telling her all of these things Mm -hmm. because none of it was fun or good or or happy that was terrifying oh I know I felt so bad I was like oh but she has to know because nobody told me yeah and if if we don't share with each other then it's she's gonna be just as blind as I was and boy what I would have liked somebody to at least let me know what was coming you know for me and I know you were saying for you for yourself like your port is is a memory that the expander is a memory for me um you know I have visible scars mm-hmm. and you know I 
those will not ever go away. And I've had people say, oh, you should have tattooing done or you can have, you know, that reconstruction done. And, um, as of this point, I, I don't, I'm just not interested in having any more Mm -hmm. things on me. Um, but the odd thing is, is I go through phases where I have, um, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll get out of the shower and, um, and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> dang it. It's still like that. It's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like just, you're expecting to see something different. I don't know. I just, you know, I'm, it's yeah. the, the emotion catches me off guard. Yeah. Like I'm not even thinking about anything and I'll just be like in the bathroom, like drying out my hair and like about to get dressed and be like, ah, damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Okay. But you know, I have very little time in my everyday. Um, so there isn't a whole lot of time to dwell and to think about things. I mean, yes, I um, have had many, many mornings driving to work in tears mm. because that is literally some of my only alone time in my day is my 20 minute drive to work. Um, and um, and so, uh, yeah, that's my moments of reflection. But, you know, you get there, you park your car, you wipe your face up. Mm hmm. And you keep going. Yeah. Um, that is, is definitely, I would say that's one of the really hardest parts is that, you know, there's not very many people you want to share that with anyways. And that's, that's being really vulnerable. It's being really, and it's, it's intimate. Mm-hmm. It's this, because I mean, it's physically, it's an intimate part of you. It's a, it's a physically a part that you don't share with other people. Mm-hmm. And so how, to even get from, Hey, good morning. Happy Monday. Womp womp, right? <laughs> to, um, yeah, sometimes when I look in the mirror, I see something that I can't change and I hey, don't like it. And yeah. I don't feel great about my body the way that I used to. The space between those two places is is sometimes it feels like too much. Yeah, I, I know. And I've had so many people tell me like, oh, just, you know, do the con- reconstruction and, and do the tattooing. Um, and then... I think about that. I don't know. I just, part of me is like, maybe visually it would be, but it's still not, you know, it's not the same. It never will be. No. And, um, I just don't know if I I would be able to accept that. I'm, and then there's some times where I'm like, cool. Like, (laughs) I can wear a bathing suit and not have to wear like any of the silly liners in, in my bathing suit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly don't want to like nip out in front of my children. That's just, I I'm sure there's people who don't care or don't mind. Um, but I don't, I definitely don't want to be the talk of my like 10 year olds, like little boy group. Like, Oh, look at your mom. True. (laughs) That could be a negative negative. No, no, don't want to be there. I feel like that it also puts a lot of pressure on to just like to press on just to keep going. Yeah. That's the other thing is the, with the whole fighting thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, way to fight. Like you picked yourself up and, and, and I was on this panel recently at one of the hospitals here. They did like an oncology event. Mm. Yeah. And it was great. And it was, and I love doing those kinds of things. Like I never get bored of talking first of all, but I never get bored of talking about this because there's just so much unexplored territory. And, but sometimes the questions that we get is my second time doing it. And sometimes the questions that we would, we get from people in the audience is so they're so revealing mm-hmm. of just how ignorant people can be about this process oh, I guess yeah. ignorant is a mean word to use but Naive. I don't mean it that way thank you mm-hmm. god you're a better person than I am I'm like those ignorant bastards um no yes naive mm-hmm. um and they asked one question that was what at what point 
did did you decide that you were gonna fight this like at, at what point did that like happen for you and I was like um okay I was like I'll take this one I was like there's no like rocky moment in this there's no like you know, oh, we're cowering under our covers, and then all of a sudden, Eye of the Tiger starts playing. It's like, and you're like, oh, I can do this. I'm a fighter. Like, that doesn't happen. Also, like, what choice did we have? You know, you get diagnosed, you sit down in front of a physician, and they're like, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do chemo. And then after that, you're going to have surgery, and then maybe you'll have radiation. Um, and, and they, my physician certainly didn't lay it all out there for me. I think he had a little bit more insight into the process than that. And he would only ever tell me like the next two steps. And I didn't realize he was only telling me the next two steps. Wow. And I didn't ask any further mm -hmm. because, and I think he just knew that was a good place to start with people because it's like getting the syllabus oh, at right. the beginning of class. And you're yeah. like, there's no way I'll ever do all yeah. It would have been like getting the syllabus for your entire graduate degree in one sitting, right? Whoa. You would never do it. But that's an option. Getting treated for cancer, I didn't feel like there was an option. Mm -mm. Of course there is. You can say, oh, no, thanks. You know, I'd rather die. But honestly, that's the alternative. Right. Is you either get treatment or you die. Right. Which is not the message out there if you turn to Google to be your physician because right. oh my god <gasps> you're not kidding i heard something crazy too but you start let's let's delve into the crazy mm -hmm. of the wise because mm -hmm. this this oh this is like this is the vehicle by which i drive to the rage capital of y town i really love this metaphor i just i want to keep like yes. let's just be in this metaphor the whole way okay let's get in there so there are a couple of wise that we know so okay. genetics genetics there are there is a genetic component those to certain lucky cancers. bastards those lucky fuckers <laughs> they can just be like well yeah i was BRCA positive so you know mm -hmm. i got cancer or there are what they tested me for oh, and i'm gonna get this number wrong i'm gonna estimate the number that i remember in my head and it's gonna be roughly accurate 86 they tested me when they did genetic testing they tested me for 86 different genetic mutations i think i was i had the same testing okay does that and sound I'm, roughly right yes okay. it was a page and a half yeah it was a, a document it was a ton and it all said negative negative negative, negative. yeah mm -hmm. which was just like slap in the face slap in the face there's no reason there's no reason you by all accounts should not be having this happen to you so but we know genetics is a factor. That's a good point. Actually, when I read the negative, mm -hmm. I was overjoyed that it was negative. Oh. Yes, because you have offspring. Because I have offspring. Right. I was And like, I have two sisters. <sighs> and that's as close as I get. Yeah, God. you're right. That brings a whole other level to it. Mm -hmm. When I talk to women, especially women with breast cancer who have girls. Because mm -hmm. Of course, it can happen to boys, but sure. our mind doesn't always go there right? because it's predominantly women right? Um, that get it. But I can't imagine that feeling, honestly. I don't, I don't even know how to relate to that exactly. Yeah, I just was so grateful mm. that I was not passing that gene on. Okay. That so was... You'll take the uncertainty in exchange for... Yeah. Not I mean, passing something on. That was great. I think that that's great. That's a great perspective. Mm -hmm. For me, pity party of one, I was like, this should never have happened to me. The, how dare how you? How dare you, universe? <laughs> Body. Okay, the second thing we know causes cancer are carcinogens. And there are some that are absolutely established carcinogens. Like like we know cigarettes are a carcinogen. Right. Um, and then there are other things that we suspect our carcinogens people believe that genetically modified food uh, can be bad for you and our carcinogens. That's not actually supported by any science that I've seen, but mm -hmm. you know, people can go all different ways with it. Um, and then the third thing that causes cancer, and this is where we deviate from science completely. The rest is just made up. So genetics, 
known carcinogens, and then a bunch of made-up shit, basically. And you can subcategorize the made-up shit in like three different ways. There's the internet. Yes. The internet has answers for you. Self-investigation. So this is like me deciding that work caused my cancer. Or the high school I went to because there was literally asbestos coming out of the walls. And we know asbestos is a carcinogen. So like wow, self, you know, self-decision. You just decide what caused it because it's too hard to have a blank in front of you. And then pseudoscience, which kind of incorporates the, the first two. Hmm. But so then this is where I become enraged. Or is there another category you think... Oh my, no, you've covered them for sure. <laughs> it's a short list. I mean, internet uh-huh. is totally accurate. And I hate that that's where people go first. Even though they're just searching for some sort of answer, mm-hmm. really having to just accept that there is no answer is the most enraging piece of it all. Mm-hmm. And, um, But people don't want that. Nobody no. wants that. No one wants a blank. Nope. nope. And, and look, I Google stuff too. I absolutely do it. There are great resources out there mm-hmm. on the internet, but just use common sense and critical thinking to weed things out. Yeah. You know, and the way I think that you can weed things out, there are reputable sites you can go to. And then there are sites that have all different fonts and all different colors and like they kind of scream... This is opinion, not fact. And I think one way that you can kind of figure that out is if anyone is telling you definitively this is what caused your cancer, they're wrong. If you're finding something that's like, it might be this. Um, Also, we think it might be this. It could be this. But you know when no one is completely sure, that is closer to the truth. Mm -hmm. There's There's like a term for it when like it's just in general a way for you to be able to filter out misinformation. If there right. is someone who is absolutely 100% confident that they 100% know everything about a certain thing, you can't trust that. Right. Because people who are truly intelligent and truly learned, they know enough to know that there are things they don't and can't know right it's not like our body is like a manufacturing plant where one tiny little thing goes out of place and an alarm sounds mm-hmm. that's not what happens Mm-mm. it's like if the entire manufacturing system breaks down and becomes a huge muddy mess and nobody learns about it until the building explodes <laughs> that's sort of what that is like yeah yeah yeah, and then that building is never the same. Mm-mm. Never the same. You can Mm-mm. paint all the nipples on it you want, Mm-mm. but it's never the same. Yeah. All right, I want to read this thing. I want to hear it. Speaking of like Googling, so th- this is an example of something that you should be highly suspicious of. Mm-hmm. And this is something that it makes me laugh at first, and then I just get so, so angry. And I want to find the person who wrote this and I want to give them a piece of my mind and I want to reorient them to the reality that is science and technology. Anyway, um, so this is from a post that, so Pinterest has caught on to the fact that I have breast cancer and so they feel like they can push out all this information to me Mm -hmm. and it's usually comes in the form of like, I don't know, it's like a it looks all nice and has a nice border around it. And then it makes some statement like how to cure your cancer in 10 days or, you know, like things like that. So this one is called the nine positive things when dealing with cancer. I don't have to be so mad about that, but I am, but it, it just gets so much worse. So number one is cancer saves your life. What? Yeah. I love it. So, how um, cancer kills you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they say that people misunderstand cancer. Cancer is not there to kill you. Yeah. It, it, it isn't a disease. It's an effect of t- a toxicity crisis. The other thing that you can clue into when you know you're reading something that may not be accurate is there are just 
hella grammatical errors. Ooh. And this is just chock full with them. Like so typing in emojis. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Emojis should give it away clearly right away. Mm-hmm. But um, just missing words and, and things like that. Cancer acts as a sponge that soaks up the toxicity and protects your blood from it. I can't even begin to go into all the scientific reasons why that is not true especially considering that one of the prominent cancers leukemia Mm -hmm. lymphomas these are all blood cancers right so i i i don't even think i have to go into how ridiculous sounding that is but the thing how is that post even on there I don't know. It's irresponsible, I think. It really I think is. it's absolutely irresponsible. Um, it goes on to say that the aggressive treatments we use today is more to blame for the high death rate with cancer, not cancer itself. I just want to be really clear that there are parts of the world that don't recognize cancer as cancer and don't have access to health care. Some parts of the world are here in America. Mm-hmm. And... As an oncology nurse in a safety net hospital, we would get those patients. We would get those patients who, for whatever reason, did not have access to preventative care or monitoring and would come in only when their cancers were so far advanced. They were growing out of their neck. They were growing out of their breasts. They literally couldn't eat anything because the tumor in their gut had obstructed. That is what happens when you don't seek treatment for cancer. Your cancer proliferates, it spreads, it's a very predictable process, and it will kill you. Yeah. So just to be clear about that, um, that is what we know that it does because we've seen that happen again and again. Um, It says, oh, this is my favorite thing. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Cancer isn't that aggressive. If your body didn't need cancer, then it could kill it on command. Your body uses it until the toxicity crisis is over, and then cancer will go away. What? Yeah. I don't even understand. I I don't... I'm not even... So that that reminds me of a lady who... And you know what? I've heard this on multiple occasions. Um, a lady I... I met through another cancer patient who um, was telling me her her cancer story. She also had breast cancer. And she got a diagnosis and decided that she was going to cure her cancer herself. She was like, oh, I just I had a really bad diet. I had a really bad lifestyle. Um, there was a lot of things in my life that I was like, oh my gosh, clearly all of these things gave me cancer. So she decided, okay, if I stop all of these things, then my cancer will resolve itself. Um, and maybe that is possible in, for some people, but certainly not anyone I've ever met. Um, and it turned out that, Instead of seeking treatment, she decided to fix her own. Mm-hmm. And I say that in quotes um, because she went back to have another check and it, of course, had advanced from that. Um, and that was, uh, she ended up with, I think, stage three um, where she could have had a much easier, I call it a sentence because it yes. is, um, it, you're living in your own prison of your body. But um, she's, you know, she, of course, ended up telling me how she recognized that she needed, she needed medical help. And she did say that she felt, you know, a little naive to think that she could fix it herself, but um, did recognize the need for, for medical treatment, which obviously is why she's still here today. But um, it just bewilders me, the thought of I like get I I'm fearful for people I don't even know because I'm afraid that they may think, oh, well, if I, you know, change to a plant-based diet, once you have cancer, I don't think you can unhave cancer. Um mm. not without some sort of medical intervention. No. I, I don't that is certainly I'll say not what all the evidence shows that is not what the literature suggests that is not it's so obvious to me 
that cancer doesn't just go away, that it's like having a conversation with someone who believes the world is flat. And if you believe the world is flat, this is not the place for you um, because that's not based in any scientific reasoning, but it's so hard because of all of the fundamental scientific, um, geographic, statistical, and spatial concepts that you would have to have a foundation of to understand why that's impossible, that it is so hard to have a conversation with someone like that because you you really got to start from the basics. And it's the same with cancer. It's if you don't understand the nature of it, that the proliferation of these cells, that the mutation of these cells, it's just, it's nature. It's what it does. Mm -hmm. So to expect that that would suddenly stop doing that is unreasonable, I think. Um, And of course, there are always people who know people who know people who cured themselves. Like air quotes, cured themselves. Right. I don't have, I don't have any scientific explanation for that. I can make room in reality for that, in my reality for that to be true, mm-hmm. that that will happen sometimes. But I think what you need to understand is the statistical likelihood of that being you is incredibly small. It is so small that it's almost non-existent. I would it's, is it possible? Maybe. I don't know enough about that to say whether or not. Is it plausible? No. Is it likely? Certainly not. I what would is love like, to meet somebody. I would love to meet who these had people. a medical, like from a biopsy. Yes, medical diagnosis that says you have stage, you know, whatever breast cancer. Right, and then they, like you say, air quotes, cured themselves. I would love to meet that person because that would be like a modern day miracle. I'm also scared of that person because maybe they're an alien or something. I don't know. Cause my reality makes room for that possibility too, okay. which, so you have to make possibilities for these things and people call them all kinds of different things like scientific anomalies, miracles, like just depending on your fundamental belief system Yeah, that that can exist in the world. I'm not completely writing it off, but I'm just saying. I would love to meet I've that person. I've never met anyone like that. And in four years of given chemo, I have seen every single person who refused treatment die. They all have died. Yeah. I'm talking 100%. Now that is from a very small sample population because it's only people I've interacted with personally. So that is also not a very scientific way of gathering knowledge, but I'm just saying you're probably going to die if you don't seek treatment. Um, According to our lovely book, beating cancer with nutrition, I'm going to give you all the reasons. Chapter two is what causes cancer. So the answer is right in here. Oh, 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 yeah. Sweet. Oh, he's figured it out. If so, I just need to go to a book. I know. It's it so easy. Me. I love the world that this man lives in. Okay. So there are only four reasons that you get cancer. Oh. Number one is poor nutrition. Okay. So an excess or deficiency or an imbalance in nutrients. The second is stress. Mm-hmm. The mind generates chem- chemicals. So your mind generates chemicals. That is true. Scientifically, your mind does generate chemicals. It's not quite that simple. Um, but that can lower protective mechanisms against cancer. And then third is a sedentary lifestyle. So no exercise. And then um, the fourth is toxic burden. So, you know, toxic burden, that's kind of a, so pesticides. And so he's talking about carcinogens. He's recognizing carcinogens. So that fourth one might actually be plausible. Toxic burden. Okay. Very interesting here's the thing though Mm -hmm. here's the reason this makes me so goddamn mad is and and i think this is the thing that really drives us to the why Mm -hmm. as individuals Mm -hmm. i am trying to figure out if this was my fault right and i don't want it to be my fault Mm -hmm. so in order for it to not be my fault (laughs) i need an explanation and mm-hmm. the thing that makes me so angry about this stress causes cancer 
um, anger causes cancer, poor nutrition, sedentary lifestyle causes cancer is number one, that wasn't me. I eat, I live across the street from a Whole Foods Mm -hmm. and I work out four and five times a week. Mm -hmm. And that's been me. And growing up, I grew up on a farm. We grew our own vegetables. We raised our own chickens and then we ate them. We got milk from the milkman. It came in glass bottles. Like we were living that good organic lifestyle. So I don't know. I, I don't understand how that could be the case, but that the most, the most evidence I have against that argument are all the people in my life who I know eat shit, don't exercise, smoke, and who are angry, angry, stressed out people, and they do not have cancer. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So basically, it goes back to outside of genetics and outside of any identifiable like continual excessive exposure right. to carcinogens so that might be the toxic overload this guy's talking about mm-hmm. um i don't see the why i really don't and because it is so inconsistent from one person to the other yeah. i mean athletes get cancer mm-hmm. people who are at peak performance people who i had a patient once who was an organic farmer and had been for a very long time, was raised like in a commune as a hippie. Like if you think about environments that have the least amount of chemicals and those people are still getting cancer. So, and again, the people, I just think about people in the world, people in the media, people in charge of our country who are so angry and so hateful and so unhealthy, clearly, clearly unhealthy. And probably stressed it's got to be very stressful you know and they're fine yeah you know they don't have cancer and that that is my greatest defense Mm -hmm. for science my greatest defense against people on the internet saying if you just forgive the people in your life and change your life and follow your bliss, your cancer will be healed. I would never say that even before I had cancer, I was a very angry person. Like I, and you know, I had that conversation with my older brother not long after my diagnosis and he called with questions I had on my mind saying, how on earth did this happen? We live in a great place with clean air and clean water. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you've always been probably the healthiest one out of all of us. And how, why, what happened? And he was like, I don't understand. And I was like, well, your guess is as good as mine because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. There's no reason I breastfed both my children right you're doing everything right how how did this happen Mm -hmm. and even my last baby I breastfed him for a year I I nursed my child for a year and still got breast cancer Mm -hmm. so that was also like bewildering like wait a minute don't you see those billboards that say breastfeed your babies helps your baby and prevent breast cancer? It helps you and your baby, healthy baby, healthy mom. And it does. And even against that. How did that happen? I don't know. That's the thing. But I refuse to believe that it's some poor choice that I made in my life that singled me out. And honestly, when we're talking about one in three people getting cancer by the end of their life, yes, most of them are older than, what was it, 36 for both of us when we were diagnosed? I was 37. You were 37? Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly most of them are older. When we're talking about one in eight women getting breast cancer, I think it's just sometimes comes down to being fucking random. Totally. Just random. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is an unsatisfactory answer. Totally. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And so for me, it's more about 
fine. What am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And today I'm going to feel real damn sorry for myself. That's what I'm going to do about it today. And then tomorrow, maybe I'll do something different. But things like this, things like talking with other people about it, things like being on a panel or honestly just getting together with a group of women and talking about it Mm -hmm. is other women who have had breast cancer or some kind of cancer or some kind of chronic disease that, you know, you're living with it because just being able to relate to someone and feel heard and feel understood. That's, I think that's the key. And that, that identify more with that mentality than the fight mentality. Or I could say maybe that to me is the fighting, Mm -hmm. like just keeping, I don't know, just keep going. You know what I also noticed about other breast cancer patients is that many of us, um, myself included, still consider themselves a breast cancer patient, even though Mm. I technically don't have breast cancer anymore. Um, I have had it surgically removed. I've had chemo. I've had, you know, all of that fun, exciting medical treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, it's weird because I still catch myself saying that I have breast cancer. It's weird because I don't, but I did, Mm. even though it was medically removed from me it is still very heavy inside of me and it's um something that I have been catching even myself saying um it's just so strange because I feel like this is something especially if you're young and this happens in your life and you again, have no answers and no reasons and, uh, none of the why. And then you have all of the external taken care of, but the internal takes a lot longer to heal and it just doesn't go away. I don't know if it'll ever go away. I don't think it does. And this is not the most like positive pink way of thinking about this but I don't think breast cancer ever really does go away yeah I'm a realist unfortunately yeah exactly I think this is why I'm so purposeful about saying that we are people experiencing breast cancer Mm -hmm. because it is an experience and we are going to be experiencing it for the rest of our life like this changes everything for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Physically, it changes you for the rest of your life. You Mm -hmm. will look different. You will always have those scars. After I have my deep, I will always have this large scar and you will always be able to see it. It's a physical reminder, but also it's forever, man. It's forever. Yeah. On this panel, there were three physicians, excellent, excellent doctors. Nice. And they kept saying, this thing over and over again they were like yeah it's a really hard year it's a really hard year you know we just tried to prepare our patients gonna be a really hard year you know but then that year is done and and it's over and I just had to hold myself back because I know that they weren't saying definitively that they thought that after a year all this just goes away I know that they were coming at it from a medical perspective Mm -hmm. where for most people treatment lasts roughly about a year it is not a year it is it's just forever yeah it is yeah it's just the medical part Mm -hmm. and it's so funny how being part of the medical part of it makes you feel like you're doing something yeah and then when you're done and in the spot where I'm at right now Mm. you're like okay I'm done okay what's next and I think the next is worry. Yes. Worry. Worry town. Worry town. <laughs> oh my gosh. It never ends. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. It never ends. And, uh, and there are no answers. Yeah. And there are no answers. Yeah. But this has to end. Oh, so, but yeah, more to come. Stay tuned. 
So much more to explore. Not dead yet. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Monty Python? No. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I know my impersonation is spot on, so it wasn't that necessarily. It was a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> not dead yet. That should really be the name of our podcast. Right? <laughs> That's the best name ever. Why no did we can't. think of that? Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my God. Okay. Awesome. This cool. is breast cancer with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. it that hasn't killed us yet. Breast cancer that mm-hmm. ain't got us dead yet. Don't throw us on that cart, people. We're still alive. It's just a 